Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of It's All Blackademic with your host, myself, Jordan Jarrett Bryan. And on this week's show, we're going to have a debate and discussion around the African diaspora uh, heading back to their country of origins on the African continent. Just before I introduce my guests for this week's discussion, a quick reminder, once again, across all the socials, if you're not following us by now, please do so. We're across Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you're watching us right now on the channel, you might as well subscribe to us, click the button, it's the red one, click it now, please. And finally, we're a podcast as well. So if podcasts are more your thing, go and download or find and download the Acast app. We're also on Spotify as well. Right, let's get into our discussion, guys. I'm joined this week on the panel by Kenneth Thorpe, the director of the Africa Centre. Thanks for joining us on the show this week. Um, Elvina Quazon here has written about this subject extensively, I'm told, as well. And also uh, Azu Wukachu here, who is a Nigerian, who I know you spend a lot of time going back and forth to Nigeria and here in the UK. Um, let me start with you, Kenneth. Before we get to the why many people mm. are so re-migrating back to the continent, tell us a little bit about the what. What, what. Just for those that maybe don't know, weren't aware that this is happening, tell us a little bit about what is happening and what has been happening in the last few years. Um, look, I, I won't claim to be the expert at all on this, and I'm <laughs> sure my colleagues will also have a really informed view. But there is definitely a movement. I mean, 2019 Ghana has described this year as the year of return mm-hmm. that are in, and trying to encourage um, people to return and also people to invest. So there are a number of different examples across the continent where, where governments are really making a move to attract, if not people to return, but to attract diaspora investment. Mm-hmm. So it's about the link between the continent and the diaspora and how those two, what that relationship is. Um, you know, remittance, um, the number of, the amount of money that diaspora people send back to their people in their home country is huge. Mm-hmm. You know, the official amount and the informal amount is huge, which is why, you know, um, you see a lot of companies trying to develop the latest app or something like that to make that happen because it's huge. So there is always a relationship between the diaspora and the continent. I think right now it's at a particular, p- particularly interesting stage of development. And how long, do you, do you know how long this has been happening for? Is this like the last year, the last five years that slowly more and more of the, the diaspora have been going back to the continent? Um, I'm not, I, I'm not sure. I, I think perhaps, but I think perhaps what's changed, particularly in the last couple of years, 
is that it's become very much part of the conversation. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's something that it's not surprising people to hear these conversations. And it's very much, I think it's very live as we see that the continent is developing so quickly. Mm -hmm. It's uh, offering up new opportunities. Yeah, I'm hearing. Um, Ovino, so that's the what. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Do you know why? Do you know why so many now are deciding they want to go back to their current country of origin on the continent? Sure. Um, okay, so... It's more attractive right now. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's a lot more opportunity and it's more visible. So what you were seeing 10 years ago, 15 years ago was this extremely unattractive Africa that people didn't want to be associated with, let alone actually want to return or go to for the first time. Um, and a lot of the associations, a lot of first, second generation diaspora had with their home country may not have been that positive because of the experience their parents had had, mm -hmm. depending on what was their um, motivation to move. But as they started to see things, I think, um, I can't remember which World Cup, because I don't follow football as perhaps I should, but um, there was the year where Ghana did particularly well, and it was, for the UK anyway, um, sort of their relationship with being more attracted to Africa. Um, it was combined with, I think, Sway and Reggie Yates and a few other like known black British celebrities really celebrating that Africanness. And then Ghana was doing ridiculously well. Go Ghana. And so there was a lot of people like really rooting. And this wasn't just Ghanaians. It was um, African diaspora and African Caribbean diaspora. Mm -hmm. And also English non-black people were also really rooting and becoming more interested. Mm -hmm. um, add to that, 
beginning to get a change and shift in the story. So now people are thinking about the investment. Um, Kenneth mentioned forty billion dollars was remitted to Africa from diaspora last year, wow. and that exceeds what we get from aid donors and so on mm -hmm. and so forth. So it's like, how do we harness that? What do we do with that? And you're starting to get really interesting young entrepreneurs on the continent and in diaspora who are tapping into technology, platforms, relationships, starting to listen to what friends and family are doing and thinking, okay, let me go out there and investigate what my opportunities can be. Mm -hmm. So you're starting to see some very exciting things coming out of there. And yeah, the whole shift and approach of how we're beginning to see this new Africa, if you like, is having a real instigating force. Uh, Azu, do, do you know anybody in the last... Are you laughing for? <laughs> <laughs> it's, just, it's just what she's been saying. Um, I mean, Africa has always been there. Mm -hmm. The question is, did you want to know or did the diaspora want to know? You know, um, to just to go back, 2005, for example, um, when Afrobeats wasn't popping, nobody wanted to know, you know. Now we have Afrobeats and it's sort of um, cool. fashionable and cool to be African, then suddenly people are saying, Africa has always been there. They've always been the technology, the dynamism, the enthusiasm, the aspiration. It has always been so there. So why is it now that people are deciding to go back to the continent? Uh, um, I think now people are deciding to go back to the continent because one, it's more fashionable. Two, um, I would say a lot of it has to do with the rise of um, Afrobeats. So people have now sort of found um, an identity they could be proud of. It's be, but it's, sorry, it's got to be more than that, though. You know, you're not going to leave Europe or America to go back to your country of origin just because the genre is getting really, really big. No, no, but the the, the reason that the thought process started in the first place was because now they're no longer ashamed slash embarrassed to be African. Then now it's okay. What are we going back there to do? Let's um, invest and so on and so forth, which is good. But I would say there are risks attached to that. Yeah. And there are risks that for someone who didn't grow up in the continent, who doesn't understand the psyche of the continent, will not even understand or will not even have in their horizon. You know, they will be completely blindsided. So, okay, the Afrobeats, the perception, all of that is interesting. And yes, it's something that people can latch onto and be proud of. But what it also does is showcase that these are things that are happening on the continent. Whereas before we didn't see any of that. You didn't know any of that was going on. Nobody was really saying to you, you can go and do this and it can have levels of success or more importantly, really and truly, you can make a living out of this. You can actually be productive and um, be able to succeed based on these things. You're also getting more and more governments, as you said, supporting people to be able to go into business in very African countries, Nigeria, mm -hmm. Ghana. I mean, pretty much almost every African country is now opening a diaspora affairs office department or desk mm -hmm. which yeah. means there is a place for you to go to who literally are going to assist you on your journey to varying levels of success and ability but then there's organizations like the one i work with afford mm -hmm. where we also work with diaspora to help them set up their businesses and deal with a lot of these loopholes because let's not forget it's a different world it literally is a different world different mindset different challenges and you do need help but there is help there if you look for it and ask in the right places and more importantly be ready to pay and invest in your move so that you don't get burnt like so many do when they just follow an idea or a whim. I think what, I'm, I think what I'm hearing from both my colleagues here, and I think they're right, is that there has been a change in perception. Mm -hmm. And part of that change in perception and what I've seen is that there's been a, you know, historically there's been a real 
lack of understanding through Western media, you know, about uh, that really reflects the contemporary Africa as it is now. So many people are surprised by simple facts, by it's a young continent. Mm. You know, that, that, that mobile technology, for example, is, is shaping and changing lives. Mobile banking is at least five to 10 years ahead on the continent. You know, most people are surprised by these things. So once they're starting to tune into the fact that, that you know, it's not just, <laughs> you know, that Africa is a modern, contemporary, thriving environment with opportunity, it's making them reassess, you know, what there might be for them. So there. you use the word there, there's a misunderstanding. Maybe you're being polite. It's just a lie from the Western world about what, because I don't know if any of you have seen the series that Adia Deputan did on BBC on Africa yes. recently. Yeah. Um, he's a regular great. on this show yeah. as well. That for me, as someone that doesn't know as much as I probably should about the continent, opened up my eyes to, to see a, how young and vibrant yeah. it currently is in certain African nations. Technology is growing. The economy is growing. It was the first time I'd seen it painted in a, 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 an honest and balanced picture of what's really going on on the continent. Yeah. Listen, I, 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 this may seem like a, I'm going off subject. I'm no, not. Go for it, go for it. Um, I went to see the UK premiere of a fantastic film, uh, Rafiki. Okay. Um, and this has been groundbreaking. It's a love story about two women. Um, and it was, it was banned by the Kenyan government. Mm -hmm. uh, but the point being, the director of that film, Wanuri, amazing young woman, uh, she was saying, you know, the part of the problem is, you know, is that as a female, as a director of African, you know, from Africa, you're constantly told that, the, you know, the story you should be telling is that, you know, is about all the bad things, all the challenges, and not about the joy and not about the hope and not about the good things that are happening. And so I think really, you know, for people who are um, working in the creative sector and people who make creative choices about the stories that are told, it's how we begin to tell our own stories, you know. And, and that give a more balanced view of what contemporary Africa is about. And I think that is what is changing gradually. Um, and and I, the other thing I was going to say, you know, that, that as we start this conversation was the idea of returning home. You know, if you, like me, are born in this country, but I'm half Nigerian, that's a different, the idea of returning home is more of a, you know, uh, a philosophical yes, returning I'll, I'll home. Yes, I get to that as well. Yeah. Whereas some of my siblings who grew up in Nigeria, you know, but are living here in the UK. Mm -hmm. The idea of returning home is a different one, sure, slightly differently sure, nuanced sure. one from them. Uh, because, you know, they, they spent their formative years growing up in Nigeria, you know. Um, and I have one sister who still lives in Lagos. And of course, she's already there. But of course, my question to her would be, what would make you leave? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, does anybody know anyone that's in the last five to 10 years? left Europe or America. You do? Me. Uh, you. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and and what, what's, what's been the experience of, of being in Africa, someone that spent a lot of time out of the continent? Um, yeah, it's, it's um, as, we, as I was saying, I was saying it's a different world because it literally is. You have to shift. Break it down. Tell us. Okay. So prime example. So when I went out there, it was like, I'm going to go and live my African dream. Um, I went and I got a beautiful house, pink mango tree house, that's what I called it, um, in East Legon, which is a nice area of Accra. And I had a driver, I had a house help. Um, Henry laughs at me about this, but you needed it um, because you don't have the, there's not public transport and I didn't drive at the time. Okay. And um, electricity wasn't flowing as well as it isn't, isn't at the moment. So I didn't have like a washing machine and I didn't have a Hoover and I didn't have all of those things. So it sounds like luxury, but you actually do need that form of assistance. Coming from a country where you can do all that stuff yourself, you can look after yourself fully. You hardly have to interact with anybody, let alone people you may not even want to. Whereas 
in Ghana, it was completely different. I had to be open. I had to ask for help, receive help, be sharing of myself in a way that I did not have to do in the UK. Okay. So it was learning how to be and think in a very different way. Um, the thing that everybody always says whenever they move is like, but people don't have common sense. People don't have common sense. And like what you have to remember is common sense is environmentally and contextually grounded. Yeah. It makes sense in the country in which you're mm -hmm. in. It might not make sense to you, mm -hmm. but they've been living here throughout time. So they know why they're doing what they're doing. And you will learn that perhaps actually that is also why I have to do what I'm doing. But at the same time, as, um, as we were saying, the innovation, the, um, imagination, the drive, the hustle, that was all and has been going on for time immemorial. We're only just starting to see and appreciate it now. And it definitely changed my outlook from how I was brought up in the UK and you are in a nice, happy little bubble. NHS is there for you. Electricity isn't going to be switched off if you're not paying your bills. Water will flow, even if you've got no money. Um, and that is not the case when um, I moved to Ghana and had to go through that growth and experience. Um, okay, so a few things. Um, earlier you were talking about um, what was not being shown to us. If you were interested, you would look for yourself. That, that's the first point you know so um I, I sort of get into this conversation you hear a lot of people saying eh, but you don't see that on tv well it's not the i don't know should i say western media's job to enlighten you about africa they are going to tell their story from their perspective so you have to look for your responsibility story on you to, on you see to find out what you know what you want to know sorry so that's one aspect and then you said you went back to um east lego funny enough i was in east lego in february mm. and the driver the nice house i can afford it uh, you know by the time i convert my pound sterling i can get a nice penthouse with a swimming pool and a gym but that is not the everyday life experience of somebody in africa so you going back to africa you're more or less to an extent and this might sound weird almost like the colonial masters because you're coming to live a life of luxury. You're not living the day-to-day -day experience of a Ghanaian person. You know, I... Is that fair? It's not fair. How is that a jump from, I'm going to go and live a middle life, I'm going to go and live a middle-class lifestyle, to I'm going to go and be a colonial master? I, is a, is a I, I would explain. I would explain. What did you say? You had a driver, a gardener, a this and a yes. that and a that. You could get a car and drive in Ghana. You could go to the market and rub shoulders in the nitty-gritty, murky streets and buy your food stuff. But why do that? Pay somebody to do it. You can afford to I'm do sorry, it. I'm sorry. So are you saying that there's no African middle-class person living and born in that country? And I've been to Nigeria. So, yeah, there, yeah. there are people and there. So you're saying but that. what I'm saying is that you're going back to Africa. But from what you're living, you're not, you're not experiencing Africa. You're, you're living like an expatriate. I'm experiencing a Africa. You just said yourself, there's no. African middle class living that <laughs> they are, way. But they and know the streets. That was my experience. Yeah, there they, they know the streets. Back, you know. And they have, aren't living in the same way. So I'm not fully agreeing with okay. the perception you're putting across. In, in Nigeria, in as much as you might have mm -hmm. money, in Africa generally, in as much as you might have money, you could be a, we don't, we don't really have a class system. Let, let me explain. Somebody could be, I don't know, broke, and you say, oh, he sounds so posh, he's middle class. It doesn't work like that in Nigeria. The richest man will speak pigeon, the poorest man will speak pigeon. So your class depends on how much you have. If your money goes up, you move into middle class. If it goes down, you drop. That is the way it works. There is no such thing as... Oh, I, I want, I want to come back to you. Yeah. The thing about the media, I think the point I was trying to make is, of course, we can each take our own personal responsibility for pursuing an area that we're interested in. But my point was, for people who are not actively seeking... 
who just are reliant on the stuff that we're fed from day to day, if the, if the general image that you're fed is of war-torn, poverty, Flies. you know, this is why the whole conversation about poverty porn was so, has been become, you know, and the white savior thing has become so potent at the moment because there is another story. There are other stories of Africa which are not reaching. So if Western media is telling one story predominantly again and again, then those people who are not motivated enough to see beyond that, that, that will, of course, they don't, they don't even, they're not even motivated to do that because they immediately just put that in a place over there. So, it, I, it's a balance of things. So it's not one or the other. I'm not saying it's just about the media's responsibility, but that plays a big part in perception. So I think, you know... <laughs> so on the media yeah. thing, um, sort of two ways. So in terms of representation, you've got things like an African city, um, which has really helped to change people's mindsets. And there's other web-based series that are doing that. And okay, so the Western society has its ability and space to put across its perspective. But equally, our own countries and our own media don't do very much in terms of putting across the good news from their own country. They're doing slightly more now. But for those who are motivated and do watch the ABNs and the Ben TVs and read their papers online, the stories there aren't hugely popular or positive either. And that's even for the person who is trying to see also, sorry, and yeah. I won't stop. But even sometimes from your own family, both in country and beyond, mm-hmm. who you ask, what's going on at home? Da-da-da oh, it's this, it's that, it's the other, our government. So we also need to be ambassadors for you our perpetuate own Perpetuate the negativity yeah, yourselves. Yeah, yeah, true. But I was going to come on to that next mm-hmm. point because, like you said, you're going back to live your African dream. Mm-hmm. But you, you have that perception because you lived in the West and you want to have that pride in your Africanness. Should I put it that way? Sure. An African person in Africa doesn't have that problem. You know, he wakes up, he sees African people all day. So that sort of... So, so are you saying that if you're going to go back to your country of origin, mm-hmm. you need to assimilate and live like the people, even if you can afford to live a different lifestyle, it, you, if you're going to go to Africa, live their way. Is that what you're, you're saying? Yeah, yeah, what I mean is, if you, want, if you want to be in Africa, live in Africa, not just physically, but in, should I say, mind, body and spirit. What do I mean by that? I'm not having it a go at you and by all means of course if you have the money enjoy your money you know but if you've not lived in a country before and for example when I go on holidays I don't want to go on a holiday and sit in a resort for one week and then fly back and say oh I was in Spain no I want to walk on the streets of Spain I want to meet the people of Spain you know know, and if you have a driver going to do your shopping and all that stuff then you're going to be at home watching, well, you know, satellite you're TV a, and you're not, you're not, you're not, you're you know. Your assumptions are huge and like overwhelming. Yeah, driver cleaner, driver cleaner, mopper, whatever. Can you not have the money and live the life that okay, your money... So do you not mm-hmm. have any of those when you live in Nigeria? Yeah. And actually we're, we're missing the mm. point, that's not even the point. Yeah. The point is that you can go and you can move, which many people are doing because yes, you do want a better lifestyle. You do want more opportunities for your children because you will see that people's attitudes to education, their attitudes to um, excelling is stronger in a lot of African and Caribbean countries mm-hmm. than what we're currently experiencing here. True. And so people are thinking, actually, I don't want to deal with the racism anymore. I don't want to deal with the glass ceiling anymore. I want to go to a place where there's much more opportunity and I'm going to go and try and do that. And also the idea that you were saying something about the person wakes up African and just is like, I don't need to find pride. I'm just born with it. I would definitely question because there is more work that does need to do about people within some people, let me be very clear, mm-hmm. within Africa, seeing the amazingness that is there and not wanting to move and find it elsewhere 
Because if they were like great, then you wouldn't see people. Trust me, when Africans move from Africa to the West, they move strictly for um, economic reasons. reasons. I'm sure um, children who have been born in this country, they still go to African parties and the African culture, Mm -hmm. music, dancing, food doesn't change. So, so, So let me move on a little bit now to how people are received by the people that have grown up in Ghana, Nigeria, and these other African countries. I'll ask all three of you. Is there a, is there a tension from those that come from the West that come back to the African nation? Almost a resentment that you come here with your, with your money and your, your Western mindset. Is, is there an issue from their, their perspective? How do they receive, how do they receive you? Or any of you three? Okay. Um, I'll I'll tell you, I'll tell you. Because it's funny because it, it all depends. It all depends on how you, carry yourself if you come across with your arrogance trust me Don't let you they know. will straighten you out very quickly mm-hmm. trust me that would happen you know <laughs> um so i'll give you a little story i went with a friend of mine to nigeria and we were staying in a in a gated community yes i know you know they had security guards and whatnot and i said to my friend i said in as much as they have security men at the gate it is important for them to like you because there's nothing as important as street knowledge. You know, they will give you the little hints and tips when you're going out and what to be careful Where to for. go, where not to go. You know, yeah. so I went, I said, let's go and have a chat with them. So we went there um, and sat down with them in their little hut. You know, we just had a chat. We we're talking about Nigeria. And my friend who grew up here in the West, he said, when we left it, ah, that was a really good move. Because he noticed the way they opened up. Because they saw it as you rich guys or whatever coming down to us to sort of, you know, interact with us as opposed to keep your distance as if, you know, I'm better than kind okay. of mindset. So th- their mood changed. Whenever they saw us, they saw us more as friends. And that is what I wanted because I wanted them to tell you, um, it's a bit, you know, the streets are a bit hot. Sure. Stay home. Yeah, yeah. Um, what's your experience been when you've been back to, to Nigeria well, or any African nation? See, what I'm saying is very, is, is when I was much, much younger. Um, I think my, my first visit to Nigeria was an interesting one. I went for a big family occasion. Mm. And I had two parallel experiences. And I'll try and tell it really quickly. On the one hand, of course, being paler skinned, Oimbo, you know, other. It, and it took me a while to, to perhaps, it's taken me a while to understand that actually that is really, I think, more as a descriptor, not necessarily meant with, with as a pejorative. Mm-hmm. But of course, to, f- to be on the receiving end of it, it immediately put me in that other place. Sure. When I'm saying, no, hang on, I'm family. Mm-hmm. <laughs> at the same time, excuse me, at the same time, um, if you, if you stood me side by side with my late father, or, but despite me being paler skinned, we look, we're so similar that many, I had people at the same time coming up to me who I'd never met before in my life. And they'd take one look at me and say, ah, we know who you are. Mm-hmm. You're son of Esiros, mm-hmm. you know, we know who mm-hmm. you are. So on the one hand, I was being held as a, uh, with one hand as another. And the other hand, I was being braced as family. And I suppose I've come to just accept that, you know, even as, as one person at any one moment, there, there, you're maybe dealing with two different realities at the same time. I hear that. And, and to build on my question there, um, somebody mentioned that, you know, I think it was you that mentioned, People may want to go back to their country of origin because they don't want to suffer the racism that they may suffer in America or Europe. But is there a different type of prejudice that comes just because we're the same skin color? There's a different kind of frustration or annoyance or tension that comes from being an outsider or, or is that not 
I mean, there's Fair. definitely no. Um, there's definitely a um, a different. You're perceived differently because you are different. I mean, for you, yeah, you have this whole idea of saying be it political or imagine that you're going home and so you think that it's going to be all this embracing and all of that fabulousness. But um, yeah, that's that's not likely to really happen. It is going to be a case of... Uh, <laughs> of um, I mean, there's a relationship there, right? Mm-hmm. You have had in different spaces and um, you have had different people from the West, be they black, white, what have you, coming with this idea, what they call it, Ghana to know. Like, we've been in the West, we know, we, we've got knowledge to bring, we've got skills, we're going to come and teach and help you. Mm-hmm. Um, and people are like, I don't, I don't need your help, mm-hmm. I pretty much know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. So, chill. Mm-hmm. And then, <laughs> let's, exactly, and then we can see where you can fit sure. in and so on. And then also, there's um, the case where people have gone and left and gone and left. So also, sometimes people just sit back and watch, you know, how long has this gone going to last? So, this is what I was saying about that common sense thing. Yeah. You go and you be like, I came to come and get a job and I've got all of these skills and they didn't even take me seriously. You were not the first. You're probably like the 20th. That's the colonization mentality I was talking about. Because okay. Because they're turning up with an entitlement. Mm-hmm. You know. And You've come to save you and help yeah, you. Yeah. And, and they're like, no, thank you. I'm fine. <laughs> you know, this, this is the thing. Um, um, and again, you, you have people who have been in, in the country. Don't forget, there are universities in these countries. They have graduates. There are people who are, you know, they are a society. I don't know what people think. You know, that's why I said Nigeria, Africa has always been there. It's depending on if you wanted to know. It's been there and it's been doing fine. Let me just ask you guys, um, Ghana is probably seen as the, as, as the main country in Africa that seems to be thriving. And many are going back, as you said, mentioned at the start. What are the other nations in Africa that are on the rise <laughs> economically, um, socially, or in, in any aspect? What other nations are, are you seeing people going back to? I mean, I'm Nigerian, so I would say Nigeria, but that's because I think, if I'm not mistaken, it's the biggest economy in Africa now or, or something along those lines. I, I can't, yeah, but it's one of the thriving economies. On the other hand, Ghana, right now, in all honesty, they seem to having A, very good PR, and B, I think they found oil in Ghana. Hmm. And never mind that there's a little teeny bitty rivalry between Nigeria and Ghana, but I will give them their dues. Um, <laughs> they, they, they do have good PR right now. And then the president who declared 2019 the year of the return, it's all nice PR and stuff. But this is my thing with, with African governments, is that they always find a way to let themselves and their people down. Now, um, there was a law passed in Ghana in, 2000, in the year 2000 or something like that about um, giving uh, visas or something to diasporas who want to come yeah, I was back ask that, for, yeah. for wherever they came from. The first person who, yeah, the first person who got the visa was um, Bob Marley's wife 14 years later. So that just shows you a law is passed and it doesn't, 14 years later, that is not, you know, the, the, the uh, other than the big announcement, the background mm-hmm. boring mm-hmm. work mm-hmm. hardly gets done in African countries, and that is where they so they come out and they get all the good PR, but then the work behind it falls short, and then people give up. So now, if you go to start a business, you 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 have all these laws and all these taxes you're supposed to pay and registrations you're supposed to make, but people don't do it because whatever. Um, so I would say well, that Rwanda. Okay. Um, and actually counters a lot of these mm. points. It's starting to be seen as a, a kind of a um, interesting case. So um, they've got their structures. They're focusing on being um, 
the conference hub for Africa, and they're also looking at um, ICT, mm -hmm. as is Kenya as well. Both of those are looking at being um, key. I don't want to say the Silicon Valleys of Africa, because we can have our own spaces without mm. comparison, but they're putting a lot of attention and, and energies into that. And Rwanda, apparently you can register your business within 48 hours. They've got a whole system in place. A lot of it is now you can able to do it online. Mm -hmm. So some really good stories are coming in, in that side of things, in the business side of things, is coming out of Rwanda. Um, so yes, Rwanda, Kenya is also interesting. Ethiopia is also escalating and is another one to watch country. Okay. Um, I've got a wrap of two, two quick questions to all of you guys. <laughs> Would any of you guys go back to your country of origin for good, are you planning? Is that is your mindset of eventually I'm going to go back to my country of origin? And secondly, let's finish on a positive. What are the best things about going back to the continent and your your country of of, of origin? I'll start with you, Kenneth. Um, yeah, for me that's an challenging question because I'm British born. Mm -hmm. So in a way, this is my country of origin. But of course, I'm being half Nigerian. I feel an affiliation to both. Talking to my siblings in the last couple of days about this question the thing that would make them not go back are still the things to do with everyday infrastructure mm -hmm. power electricity water, water. and the mm -hmm. things that we take for granted here those are some of the things that they would make them pause but one of my younger sisters lives in dublin and you know uh as 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 a family member with with three young children she's concerned about the rise in populism mm -hmm. and nationalism and although it hasn't, it's not necessarily impacting them yet, I think it's something that she's keeping a careful eye sure, on. Sure. And, you know, this, you know, Europe, um, uh, this country, you know, things are in flux at the moment. And I think there may be, so I guess what I'm saying, um, in a rather long-winded way is there may be also reasons here, uh, that people go back not be just because they want to be there, but, but they, they don't, don't want to be, to be here. here. Yeah. That's also something that could change the dynamic. I hear that. Um, yourself, would you go back for good? And what are the the best things about going back? Okay. I describe myself as a bouncer. So okay. I will definitely be between here and Ghana. And also what other diaspora are doing is actually going to other countries, not always just mm. one of your heritage, but another country of interest. Nigeria is great for a bit of surge of energy and then go back to Ghana to kind of read <laughs> um, And then the thing I miss most, actually, funny enough, I sort of was saying at the beginning, it's kind of, we're used to being kind of isolated or individualistic. Mm -hmm. The one thing I missed when I got back to the UK was that nobody would say hello to me. Like the person in the shop used to recognise me, the person down the road. I got greeted and seen a lot during yeah. the day. Over here, there was nothing. Oh, and I actually do miss that. Okay. So um, that connectivity. Yeah. Love that. And yourself, was he finally? Um, uh, okay, I've... I, I, had this conversation and I would say personally for me, I would, um, should I say I would straddle both continents. So I'm not going to be here nor there, but I'm going to keep, um, massive footprints, if you like, mm -hmm. in both places simply because I'm not going to say the UK is all bad. Um, they are the, like I said, the rise in populism. If you're a professional, the glass ceilings that you always come across after a while, you know, so those things will make you want to, you know, you, to give up, so to speak, and look for somewhere where you're more accepted. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you're not going to deny that the insecurity, power, and the things he's mentioned are a problem. So it's about finding a balance. And for, for black British people, I think you have, um, you have it good, really, because with your passports, Europe is, you know, pending on Brexit. <laughs> yeah. Europe is your, 
you know, it's your playground with your African passport. West Africa is your playground. So you probably travel in a large part of the world, visa-free. Okay. So, you know, that is one thing. Um, and then that's one. Two, uh, going back, depending. If I, if I have, um, should I say, enough investments and things that I can fall back on, then mm -hmm. I'll spend a lot more time there, especially the winters. Yeah. I'm going to Africa next year for the very first time. I'm going to Ghana and I can't wait. So I'm looking forward to my first experience of, of Africa. Um, uh, Azu, Elvina and Kenny, thanks for joining on this week's Pleasure. podcast. I appreciate your time. Um, socials, once again, do not forget to follow us on uh, Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. Subscribe to this channel as well. And as I mentioned at the start, there were a podcast too. So if podcasts are more your thing, find us via the Acast app and also on Spotify too. Until next week, peace. Hey everybody, welcome back to the It's All Blackademic podcast. We have Elvina Quayson with us today. She's going to tell us her overrated or underrated. How are you feeling? I'm feeling really good. Thanks for having me here with you guys today. No worries, no worries. So who is your overrated or underrated person, thing or whatever? So I'm going to be difficult mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's um, both overrated and underrated. Oh, wow. Okay. All at the same time. Um, so as I was, when I was asked, I was just getting to thinking what's been bugging me and um, it's titles, titles and the first black person to and those sorts of things. So on the underrated side... Um, I think that uh, there's definitely more profiling and sharing of all the different things that the first black whatever can do and should be shared. But in terms of the overrated side, I think that too many of us focus on the title, on the outcome, as opposed to really going back to look at the steps in the journey. And so we overrate the MBE, the OBE, the what have you, without looking at what do they actually do to get there. Yeah. And so um, I would definitely say that lots of our wonderful people who have got these titles should definitely get much more airplay, time, recognition. But for those of us who are meant to be inspired and learn from them, don't focus on the wrong thing. An MBE or OBE can be slightly overrated if you're not a productive person. That's fantastic. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 